0: it's certainly a joy to be in the Lord's house with you this morning. I'm Daryl, the assistant pastor here. Uh, Grateful that you're here with us. Uh, Thankful to be able to uh, open up the Lord's Word with you this morning and see what He may have for us. Uh, We are in January. It's the month of January, in case you forgot. And we are uh, walking through a, uh, we kind of try to do a vision series every year uh, to kind of shine a light on what are we as a church to be about? Who is Midtown 12 South? How do we operate within the city? Uh, what are some things that we care about when we think of our vision and our values, kind of what's our DNA, that kind of stuff. Uh, and so as Ellie and I were discussing uh, what to share with you guys this month, we really kept coming back to the theme of, uh, of generosity. What does it mean to be a generous people because the Lord uh, is a generous God and how do we respond to his generosity with our own? How do we uh, even accept the Lord's generosity knowing that it can be very difficult uh, for us to even receive gifts uh, from the Lord and then uh, as he has equipped his people uh, with different talents, uh, how do we use those? So we talked about time last week uh, being one of, the, you know, one of the major gifts that God gives us, uh, knowing that time is also very limited. Uh, we're, very, uh, you know, we're finite beings, so it's limited in that manner. It's limited in that uh, we have jobs and families and things that we have to attend to. Uh, and so how do we look at our time rightly? Uh, what, do, what does God require of us with that? Uh, Next week, we'll look at treasure. How do we think about our money? How do we think about our possessions? Uh, How do we think about all that God has given us and uh, the riches that he has bestowed upon us? But this morning, we're going to talk about talent. Uh, What are the giftings uh, that God has given us? Uh, And how can those gifts be used uh, to glorify God and to also uh, grow the church? Uh, And so it's a little, this is a hard sermon for me because as I was driving into church this morning, driving into worship, um, I was really wrestling with this. Uh, because here's what I don't want you to hear. Um, I don't want this to be a sermon where I tell you at the end of this, you have to sign up for Kittown. Um That's not what it's going to be, uh, because God doesn't work that way. Uh, what we want this sermon to be, what we want when we talk about our talents is, how does God even use those? Uh, and do I even have any? Uh, And so we're going to look at Romans chapter 12, uh, written by the Apostle Paul. So we have a copy of the scriptures will be in Romans 12, verses 1 through 8. It will also be on the screens. Um, We're going to look at Romans 12 because Romans 12 is actually a hinge chapter in the entire book of Romans. The first 11 chapters are spent uh, from the Apostle Paul telling uh, the Christians in Rome who they are, who God is, how he relates to them. Uh, what all that means. And then we get to chapter 12 and Paul says, because all of this is true, because God is a God who is uh, wildly devoted to you, here is how we now follow him. Uh, And so that's where we're going to pick up this morning. Uh, We're going to see three things in this passage. We're going to see submission to God, submission to one another, and submission to the Holy Spirit. So if you have a copy of the scriptures again, Romans 12, one through eight is where we'll be this morning. So let us give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. To think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned, for as in one body we have many members, the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. of prophecy, in proportion to our faith, of service and our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity the one who leads with zeal and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, we come to you this morning. Um, Our hearts are filling about a thousand different things. Lord, I know that mine is. Uh, There's joy, there's sadness, uh, there's sorrow, there's great gladness. Uh, There's an expectation of what you're gonna do. Uh, There's a discouragement of all the things that you haven't done. Uh, So Lord, as we come into a room... Uh, of this size, of this magnitude, of this gloriness that you have for us. Lord, uh, would you uh, remind us that for the next hour uh, we can sit in your sanctuary uh, and be safe. Uh, We can be safe in your arms. Uh, We can sit uh, and ponder what you have for us. We can sit and ponder your goodness and your glory and your greatness. Uh, We can sit and grieve uh, all our disappointments. Uh, So Lord, wherever we are this morning, uh, would you not leave us there? Uh, unless it's what you want for us. Uh, Would you meet us there uh, as you promised to do? In your name would you pray, amen. Uh, So as I said, we have taken uh, the month of January to discuss what it means to be a generous people, uh, certainly with our our time, as we spoke about last week, uh, and then with our talents, and next week with our treasures. And uh, what Paul wants us to see, as Paul in this chapter is really telling uh, the Christians in Rome, hey, you have been given gifts by the Lord, Um, All Christians have. They're not all the same, uh, but they're there. Every spiritual blessing is what we hear in the book of Ephesians. Uh, Paul is saying, you have been given some gifts. Uh, There are things that you uh, are capable of that you can do, uh, and God has given you those for a a certain reason. Uh, And uh, what he wants us to see is that first and foremost, uh, when we think of our gifts, when we try to look and see what we are Uh, Good at, what do we like to do, and things like that. Um, Paul starts out by saying, whenever you think about this gift conversation, whenever you think about how talented you may be in a certain area, you immediately have to run to God. Um, Submission to God is the first way to discern what you may be good at. Uh, Because here's what humankind does, here's what mankind has always done. Uh, since the fall of man in Genesis 3 uh, to the present day is that we take those things that God has given us that we know that we're good at and we try to find a way to make them serve us. And Paul is saying, I've, God has given you these gifts to grow this body, but before you even think about any of that, before you even consider any of all uh, that God has given you, remember this, you gotta run to Jesus. Come to Jesus," he says in verse uh, in verses one and two, that we present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Simply put, it's this: uh, the Romans, uh, the Christians who were there, would have been very familiar with the Jewish sacrificial system. You probably know a little bit about it yourself. Uh, that on the day of atonement, uh, you would bring your sacrifices uh, to the high priest at the temple. Uh, you'd bring your. Uh, if you were rich, you would bring a heifer. If you were poor, you would bring birds. Uh, There was, uh, each economic class had its own sacrifice to bring that they were uh, told that they needed to bring to the Lord to atone for the sins that they have done. Um, And Paul is saying here, I'm going to remind you of that sacrificial system, one, because it's over. We don't do that anymore. Christ has shed the last blood that needs to be shed. Uh, What he has done on the cross for you and on your behalf has satisfied the wrath of God forever. So none of you are bringing heifers to church this morning. You're not bringing goats to church this morning. You're bringing yourselves. And Paul says the sacrifice has moved from all those things that were never gonna work anyway to the Lord Jesus himself and now to you. I want you to put yourself on the altar. Which sounds sure, Paul. That sounds terrible, though, because what this means for us, what it means for us as Christians is that we have to lay aside ourselves. If you've been a Christian for more than a minute, you've heard the term, you have to die to yourself. This is what Paul means by that, Uh, that when you come to God, when you think about your talents, when you think about all that he's given you and all that you've been blessed with, he wants you to immediately run to the altar of God because you're going to be tempted to use them for your own benefit. I heard an old uh, preacher say that the problem with living sacrifices is that they keep jumping off the altar. That would have been really funny at seminary. They would have laughed at that joke, okay? At RTS Charlotte, they would have, I would have been a king. It's fine. That's, probably, that's precisely the point, this is what Paul wants us to see, uh, is that That is what's hard, right? Because we live in this tension of wanting to sacrifice and say to God, everything that I have is yours. And also wanting to say, accept that, not that. Like, I don't want you to go into that part of my heart. And Paul is saying that the Lord is telling us that daily, hourly, minutely, if that's a word, I need you to come to the altar of the Lord. We have to lead our hearts and our bodies back to the altar of God every moment, to even begin to discern your gifting. Scripture wants you to know that first and foremost, the will of God for you is your sanctification. If your like theme for the new year is to find God's will for you, I just told you. It's your sanctification. If you're here this morning, you're like, what is God's will for my life? The answer is your sanctification. That's what God cares about when it comes to you that this, uh, the process of your sanctification, making you holy, making you more like Jesus is what God is fiercely and wildly devoted to doing. And that's why he asks us to get on the altar, to become a sacrifice, to take all that we have and lay it aside and tell God to command as he chooses to command. Because here's the truth. God is far more devoted to you than you are to him. And he knows that. He knows that. He actually anticipates that about you. So he says, Come to my altar and see what I can do for you. See how I can make you holy. See how I can make you more like Jesus. Because that's my will for your life. Before you even think about your gifts, before you even think about how you can use those to better the kingdom and all that mumbo jumbo you learned in youth group, Jesus is saying, Come to me. I used to live in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, which is hilarious. And uh, I worked at Dollywood, which is even funnier. We're there for a long time. (laughs) Embarrassingly amount of time I worked at Dollywood. Uh, And they have this craftsman's festival every fall. You're probably familiar, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. The old craftsman's festival. Um, And uh, one year when I was there, I was like walking through the park. And uh, there was a dude who was like uh, carving bears. Sorry, not live bears. He was carving uh, blocks of wood to look like bears uh, with a chainsaw. And everyone was the same. It was just a bear holding a fish. It just had a different looking hat every time. Um, and I was like, that's, that's kind of weird, but uh, <laughs> I'm intrigued. Uh, and so I asked the dude, I'm like, hey, man, how did you, like, this a pretty niche market you got here. Uh, how did you, how do you scale this? Uh, how did you, um, how did you get into carving bears? And he's like, I don't know, I just did it. And I was like, well, that wasn't helpful. Um, so I was like, like, tell me how you like envision this. And he's like, well, i take a block of wood, and I just cut everything away that doesn't look like a bear. And I was like, this is probably the only thing you're good at because you're not good at conversation. Um, and, uh, and that is what Jesus is doing for us in our sanctification process. As we bring ourselves to the altar and place ourselves on it, Jesus is taking uh, his metaphorical chainsaw, not an actual one, um, a scalpel, a guillotine, a, a meat cleaver, whatever it takes Uh, his hammer and his chisel, whatever it takes to chip away those parts of our own lives that don't look like Jesus, that's what sanctification is. And Paul is saying, we have to be transformed into his likeness if we ever want to know what he has for us. That before we ever embark on uh, discerning the will of God, it must come through submission to God. Uh, And Paul goes on to say that it's not only in this passage, submission to God, uh, that we Uh, need to concern ourselves with but also submission to one another which is our second point if you look with me uh, at verses three and four one and two we're told as i just said uh, submission to god being of of utmost importance and paul is showing us in verses three and four the importance of submitting to one another he says this for by grace given to me i say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. He's saying this, let not anyone think more highly of themselves than they ought. Instead, be sober-minded. Paul has to remind us of this because it's like the furthest thing from us. That uh, what's really important here, because Christians are notorious for this, is that we either think way too highly of ourselves, or we think way too low of ourselves. Both are pride. We're not gonna get into that today. Um, Go see your counselor. Uh, But we think either way too highly of ourselves or we think way too lowly of ourselves. And we sort of just swing between the two all the time. Like, oh, uh, I need to repent of this. Oh, I'm the worst in the world. And Paul is saying, sober judgment tells us that we live in the tension of this all the time. It's not even being moderate. It's like a, it's like a whole different category, right? Um, I, I was grow, when I was growing up, I was told that like, being a Christian is trying to keep it out of the ditch of legalism and out of the ditch of license, licentiousness like on both sides of this road that I'm on. But the gospel puts us on a brand new road. So it's not even, you live in the pendulum swing. We're living in a totally different reality where Paul says, think of yourselves rightly. So what in the world does that mean, Paul? What Paul is saying here is what we know to be uh, the gospel. Um, and the gospel is this, as Jack Miller says, he's, a, uh, he, he's dead. <laughs> That's a great way to say that. Uh, the late Jack Miller was uh, a pastor. He wrote a book and a program called Sonship. And he said this, cheer up. You are a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine. And you are more loved than you ever dared hope. For the Christian to think of himself rightly, you have to do both of those at the same time. When you think of how terrible you are, trust me, you haven't even scratched the surface of how terrible you are. And when you think about how much God loves you, trust me, you haven't even scratched the surface of how much God loves you. The gospel comes in and says both are true at the same time. To the proud, to those who are too haughty, to those who think that uh, they are better than they think they are, right? Right? The law comes in and says, this is actually the standard of perfection and you fall so short of it. And what that does is that it points you to Jesus. And Jesus says, I fulfilled the law for you. So trust in me. And for those who think I'm far worse than I could ever imagine, for those who think that God can never love me, to the lowly God says, look to Jesus. He's fulfilled everything on your behalf. He has left heaven and come to earth for you. He has left heaven and he came to earth and he lived the life he should have lived and died the death he should have died. And he takes your shame and he takes it off of you and he puts it on himself and he takes his righteousness and places it on you. Trust in Jesus. For the lowly and for the proud, the answer is both to look to Jesus. So think of yourself rightly, Paul says, as one who is loved by God on God's terms. And then he says, and live as one body. If we were to submit to God, right, in the first point uh, to find out who we are, we can then, as we begin to discern what we are good at, God has given you this gift of a church community that can help you with that. For folks who are thinking, oh, I I think I want to be a teacher. I think I want to be a pastor. I think I want to be a counselor. I think I want to work with youth kids. I think I want to work in kid town. You have a body of folks around you who can say, yeah, I actually think you'd be great at that. Or you have a body of folks around you who say, you'd actually be terrible at that. Stay far away from all those things. That the Christian community is there for you to submit to one another, to say, I know that I can't work independently. I can't go rogue. That's not how bodies work. Not healthy ones anyway, right? Right? That when we have a body, we know that it doesn't move, it can't move independently on its own. That there are muscles, that there are things firing that happen. This is super doctory. There are things firing that happen that makes your body work, right? Is that right, Andy Radbill? He's a doctor. Uh, I'm taking your job. And so we come and we look at ourselves and we look at the church around us and we say the hardest thing that we have to say in this world probably I need you. I need you. I need you to help me discern what God has gifted me with. I need to help you discern. You don't only need me, but I need you. We need one another to discern what God may be up to in the life of Midtown 12 South and in the life of us who attend here. That your salvation was never meant to be for your own personal benefit. It certainly is part of it, right? It's you who's not going to hell. It's you who is placing your trust in Jesus, but it's also for the good of the church body and for the good of the city that is around us. That when we think of ourselves rightly, we can see ourselves as a sinner saved by grace, yet set apart for good works. It's only then that we can then utter the words where we have to say, I need you, which is our last point uh, this morning, submission to the Holy Spirit if we look in the, uh, the following verses, uh, five through eight, through the end of the section there, this is where Paul finally gets to the point where he's starting to talk about talent. But what he says is this, we're all knit together in Jesus. We, he gives us the analogy of the body. Scripture uses this metaphor a ton, uh, that we are of one body, that uh, in order for our shoulders to shrug, it has to work together. In order for our ears to wiggle, it has to work together. And Paul says, the body of Christ is no different. And our tangible representation of this is the church in which we find ourselves. This means we have to say, I need you. Both of these things are terribly hard to believe. That we need you and that you need us. You're gonna fight that all the time. I fight it all the time. And then I had a toddler. And he's awesome, but he's also insane. And there are times that I'm like, hey, I need you downstairs. And not because I want to break for an hour. That's not what they do downstairs. It's not childcare. It's so much more than that. I need you because parenting is ubiquitous, it means it's always around. If you're married, you know about this. And that kid sees me sin, and he sees me sin a lot. And so I need you when I yell at him for throwing blueberries at our dog. I need you to help him see that Jesus loves him. I need you for that. Your parents, the parents that are in this room need you for that. What we want you to see is that we all have different gifts. We all have different giftings. Um, And how can we use those for the good of what we experience here on a Sunday? Because here's the thing, we could hire folks for downstairs We could hire some nanny organization. But the thing is this. Hired hands don't love you the way your family loves you, right? We could hire people at the doors to stand there and say, hey, welcome. But it's just going to be a bunch of weirdos standing at the door saying, hey, welcome. They don't know who you are. They don't care about you. That's why we want you at the doors to say to your fellow family members, to the fellow members of your body to say, come in. Whether your week was awesome or whether it's terrible, come in that there would be somebody greeting you at the door who's actually happy to see you. This is why you love your dog so much and why cats are terrible. Because you love your dog so much because every time you come home, your dog is so happy to see you. It's as if you've been, I go to the mailbox in the back and my dog thinks I've been gone for five years. And I had a dog, his name was Samson. He died. Um, you can Venmo me. Uh, he, that's good. he died like two years ago. <laughs> it's all right. Um, And, and I had a hard time dealing with that. Like I know the dogs that I've had tons of dogs in my life. Um, but when it came down to it, the sadness that I felt was because that daggum dog was so happy when I got home. I'm emotional even now thinking about it. It's like a Sarah McLachlan song. Like that dog was so happy when I got home. It didn't matter what kind of day I'd had. It didn't matter how stinky he was and how he was like, he was great, but he was also kind of a weird dog. But we know this, that there is something powerful and something special in a welcoming and a greeting that says, you belong here. Not just you're welcome here, but that you're wanted here. And it's hard to do in a room of this size because we have to like turn people away because there aren't enough seats. But to get outside of ourselves and say, how can we make this place like a better place to be? How can we make t- Midtown 12 South a better and different place than what you would experience anywhere else on the street? Anywhere else in this city? Because here's the thing, you came to Nashville for a reason, unless you were born here, the five of you that still are around. You came to Nashville because there's something about Nashville. And you know, 10 years ago, they called it an it city or whatever, I don't know if they still call it that. But there is something about coming to this place that if I can get to Nashville, if I can make it, like there's good jobs there. There's beautiful people there. There's a great church there if you come here. Like there's so much that this city has going for it. There's an energy and there's a life that we find. And then you find after about five minutes that it's all garbage, that it lets you down. There are great, th- I love this city so much. I've wanted to live here since I was in sixth grade. I love this city, but this city does not live up to its promises. This city will eat you up and it will spit you out. As Chris Stapleton says, so long Nashville, Tennessee, you can't have what's left of me. You're custom made for moving on, he says, that there's something about this city that's different than any other place. And you know that and you feel that. And then God plops a church on this street and says, but it could be different in here that we can know who one another are. And you wanna know how you'd know, you be known in a church of the sizes that you serve together. We're not just saying in kid town, like, if you don't like kids, then don't go down there. We don't want you down there. You need to pray about why you don't like kids. We'll certainly talk about that. But you don't have to go down there, right? You don't have to wanna to work slides. That's the hardest job in the church. There's so much pressure on that job, we need to do it. Um, greeting. If that's not your thing, like if you hate people, then don't greet them in. Like we don't want you at the doors either. Like go hide in a the closet. Um, there are so many ways in the kingdom of God and, and, and even in this body that you can serve differently. I had lunch with my friend Seth. He's back there somewhere, Seth Thomas. Uh, he told me one time he loves to help churches figure out their insurance. And I was like, why? <laughs> that sounds terrible. And, uh, but I was like, man, that's a gift that I've never thought about. He's like, yeah, I love to help businesses figure this out about themselves. And I said, hey, man, would you want to be on our HR committee? Because we could really use a guy like you. And he said, yes. And I was like, you're either a Mormon or you're a serial killer. Nobody's this nice. Like, There's no reason you are this kind and you want to do this. But God has gifted us in different ways, right? You don't want me in charge of the church checkbook. We would be broke in a month. We'd just be continuous pedal taverns. That's all I would pay for But there are folks that we need you on our finance committee, on our HR committee. There are places that you can serve that we would love to have you. We want to help you with that. We have a session of elders who would love to sit down and talk with you and help you discern your gifts. We gotta do that with one another. But it comes through submission to God. It comes through submitting to one another, asking folks, hey, do you think I'm even good at this? And then it comes submitting to the Holy Spirit who says, I'm actually gonna gift you for something you think you're not that gifted for and to see what he's going to do. And all that sounds great, right? All that sounds great, Paul. Thanks for telling me that. But we can't do this, right? We can't do this if we try to white-knuckle it. And Paul knows that. So here's what Paul tells us. If we look back at verse one, if you don't mind throwing that up on the screen, Allie. If we look at verses one and two, he says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, The only way you can do this is by the mercies of God, to remember his mercies, as my friend Les says, not just his mercy, not just his general mercy to us, but his mercies that come to us new every morning as the sun rises and at night when the sun sets, and it's going to happen again tomorrow unless he comes back. That we remember the mercies of God, how he brought us from darkness to light, how he brought us from, uh, from death into life, how he has placed our sins as far as the East is from the West. Remember that he didn't count equality with God something to be grasped, but instead Jesus left heaven and came to earth for us. And we don't serve in response to that to say maybe God will love me because of this. We serve out of the overflow of that and say because God loves me, I wanna go spend time with teenagers in our youth group teenagers are crazy. You were one or you are one. If you are one, you're crazy. If you were one, you were crazy. That because of God's love for me, I'm going to serve his church in whatever capacity he might be calling you to serve. So we're asking you as your people to say that we need you. Uh, You need us that remember what God has done for us, that Jesus was the one who knew what it was like to have defeat. He was the one who knew heartache. He was the one who knew what it was like to live amongst people who didn't want him around. And he's the one who sits in heaven and delights over you. As Zephaniah 3, 16 and 17 tells us that he rejoices over you with singing. He has quieted you with his love. Jesus Christ is so devoted to you. He has bound himself to you. And he has given you gifts and he says, let's figure these out together because I am so committed to you and to your glory and to your sanctification and to your becoming like me that I want to help you discern what I have gifted you with. And remember these mercies that God has shown you. And as Paul says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we... Uh, sit here even now with the psychological noise and the psychological rattle uh, of what it is you are uh, asking us to do, uh, of kicking against the goads, as Scripture says, of things that you maybe have been prodding us to do for some time but we are avoiding. Uh, Lord of the shame of feeling like you could never use somebody like us. Uh, Jesus, remind us that you only use people like us, because people like us are all that there are, Sinners. That's all that there are. Sinners saved by grace. And so Jesus, would you help us think of ourselves rightly? First, would you help us uh, by your Holy Spirit to crawl upon the altar, uh, to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to you? And secondly, Jesus, would you uh, give us the grace and the mercy to submit to one another, uh, to ask for help, uh, to ask for guidance, to ask for wisdom, to give help and wisdom and guidance in those places where you may be calling us to give it. And lastly, Lord, would you help us to submit to your Holy Spirit, uh, to remember your great mercies uh, and to act uh, where you may be leading us to act. Uh, Jesus, would you grow your church? Uh, Jesus, grow your church through conversion. Jesus, grow your church through transfer. However you choose uh, to grow this body, Lord, would you do so? Uh, Would you remind us of the grace that has been given to us Uh, every moment of every day, uh, and every sunrise and every sunset. Uh, Jesus, give us enough uh, tears to keep us humble. Give us enough tears to keep us tender. Uh, And as we discern our gifts, uh, would we first run to you and then ask you to deploy them. In your name we do pray. Amen.